the nature of your emergency. Welcome back to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, joined by Detective Walton. Clint, how are you? I'm good. This is not an episode meant to brag on you, Clint, but I'm going to brag on you a little bit. (laughs) And the reason why is because this is a, a topic of conversation that is so uncomfortable to have, and yet it could be one of the most vital conversations to be had, especially if you're a parent. And I've titled this one, The Unsung Heroes Inside the ICAC Internet Crimes Against Children Unit. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy today's content. Anytime that I have, so this is some behind the scenes. I have a a template on my computer. It's a Google Doc. And I put all of my my content in here, all my ideas, all my research. And then Clint, you and I will later record the episodes. And we usually batch create several of them at one time before I edit everything and publish everything. And I schedule it out. And so there are many times where I have an idea such as this one, and I will gently propose a conversation to you, not with the intention of you knowing that this is going to be a podcast episode, because I feel like your mind works a little bit better when you Mm -hmm. you don't know what we're going to be talking about. That's why we do it this way. And so in, in saying that, we gently had a conversation around the aspect of investigating child abuse crimes, child sexual abuse crimes, and um, pedophilia, which, yep, that's the train, (laughs) (laughs) which a lot of people have a hard time even even having a conversation about. And so the, the topic came up in my mind as I'm going through this conversation we're having now before we had it, where the the concept of what somebody always says to you anytime that you tell them what you do, which is rare in and of itself. But it usually goes a little something like, oh, what do you do for work? And if it's some, somebody that we're comfortable around, then you will share with them that you're a police officer. And if they inquire further and they ask what you do, then you tell them that you investigate child sex crimes. And the very, 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 very first thing that they say every single time, oh, I could never do that. And they say it with such vindication. And it's all fine and well to feel that way. However, there should also come a point in the process of thought where one thinks intellectually and says, but somebody has to. And that conversation's never followed up with that statement. But it's true. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody says that, you know, oh, I would kill them, like all the things that somebody says. But the truth is that somebody has to do it and somebody has to be very good at doing it. Clint, what are your thoughts? It's and and it's funny, I just had this conversation maybe a day or two ago with somebody, one of my close friends, um, and we're just talking about the incidents that I'm working and stuff like that. And he, he specifically says, oh, I couldn't I couldn't do that. And then he goes deeper to say other things, but I won't cover that. Um, But 95% of the people I speak with tell me that they can't do that. Nobody wants to do this job. Nobody wants to have to bear witness to the most egregious of crimes and incidents. But you can't look at it 
at face value. You have to look at it like I tell someone I'm training right now is you have to look at it at a clinical perspective. And and when you have that realization for yourself, it kind of removes that the trauma associated to viewing this and making it about it's not about you. It's it really does help you be able to manage it because you still need to interview. You still need to, you know, deal with these suspects and you have to proceed with your investigation in a calm, cool, collective way. And there are certain people who I know if they did it, like they couldn't hold back their emotions. They couldn't hold back their feelings towards those individuals. But if you do that, guess what? They're going to get to walk free and you can't you cannot approach it in that way. So you have to take the the kind of the experience as a whole and whether they get charged with it or get a slap on the hand, whatever it may be, you still have to, it's a win because you, you put your foot in the door and it's a win because now <clears throat> they're a lifetime registry. They spent some time in jail. Maybe it will deter them from, doing this in the future, or it may just make them more secretive in how they do it. Yeah. But, but more importantly, the, the victims then get, get a voice. The victims lives are changed thereafter. And hopefully the pattern of that behavior stops there for the victims. And so this is a conversation I really like having when you and I are, are out and about in the real world And the reason why is because the only time that this topic of conversation comes up is when the shock factor and the emotion and the anger exists when we see it in the headlines and we see it scrolling on our phones. And so when you actually have a different perspective and you're exposed to this conversation on a a more personal level like this, having these conversations when people are asking what you do, then it allows for this certain window of exposure to be opened up that did not exist before. And the reason I think that's so important is because then people get curious and they start to ask questions. And a majority of the time, you and I will have left that conversation having provided some sense of value. And usually it comes in the form of of genuine questions. When somebody gets past the emotion of, this aspect of life that exists, this horrible aspect of life, then inquiring minds want to know. And when they calm down a little bit, they may ask questions such as, okay, well, my my daughter uses this app. Can you tell me about that? Are there people like that that exist on this website because my son's on it all of the time? Those are the conversations that I think are um, a, a benefit from having this sort of thing opened up and exposed in a different way that isn't so in your face like these headlines are. And in and, and saying that, like, those are the great questions. Those, those are truly the questions that we hope for during those conversations because then we're able to actually protect more. We're able to protect their their own kids and, and provide parents or or teachers with that understanding of, okay, this is what I need to look for to make sure this isn't happening. I, I mean, I spoke with a victim yesterday and, and she's explaining the whole situation to me. And I said, okay, first off, the, and this is what I tell her is first off, I want you to know it's not your fault. This, this is, and it's okay to have these emotions of how you're feeling in, in this instance. But number one thing is, no, it's not your fault. And you can hear the weight of 
that pressure that they're holding in just being lifted off of them, whether it helps tremendously long-term or just as that short moment, it helps them realize that, okay, I'm, I'm not the one who caused this. It was someone else's actions towards me that did. And, and most victims don't ever get to hear that. So it's one of those things. It's whether you're speaking with a parent of a child who says, oh, my kid's only on TikTok or Snapchat all the time or playing Roblox. And it's not preventing them from being on it. It's just knowing how to monitor it and make sure they have that open dialogue with them to say, this person reached out to me and is asking for this. What should I do? Yeah, I I think that's great advice. And you can't see this, but Clint is getting a little emotional when he's talking about um, the female and, and letting her know that it wasn't her fault. And my mind goes into what that must have felt like for her because I, I was very fortunate to never have experienced anything like this personally growing up. And so I'm thinking back to being a younger girl and I'm putting my, I don't know the, the circumstances of the victim, but I, I naturally put myself in the age range of like 14, 15 years old. And I'm thinking about had an episode or an incident happened like that with me and how terrified I would have been you know, growing up in a home with five brothers and a very overprotective father. First off, I would have been incredibly, I would have been too scared probably to talk to my, my parents about it. Maybe not my mom, but I know my mom would have told my dad and that would have been the deal breaker for me. And so I'm thinking about had my dad had known, especially I think because of the generation that my father was, was raised in, you know, he'll be 73 this December. He would have, whether he meant to or not, blamed me for something. I would have 100% been blamed for something. And so I think that having that perspective is important for us. It's another important element to these, these heinous things that exist, but the reality is that they do exist. And it's just information for us to be able to, to know and understand, because if we don't hear conversations like this, these are things that we will never know. So I hope you've gotten some value out of today's episode. If you have, do us a favor, drop a review, subscribe down below. And as always, know that I'm sending you a long, tight hug from my home to yours.